Welcome to Setting Captives Free podcast, where we talk about how to experience gospel freedom. Romans 6-7 says, For one who has died has been set free from sin. On today's broadcast, Mike Cleveland, founder of Setting Captives Free, shares how you can experience the freedom purchased for us by Jesus Christ at the cross. Cleveland, and I'm here with my wife, Jody. Hi, Jody. Thank you for doing a podcast with me today. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. We get to do a podcast today on something that's near and dear to our hearts, which is love. Yeah, I love you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> uh, we are considering the, the truth of love today, the concept of love. And as we consider this, we have to maybe think about some definitions of love that might be false. Um, I think right away of Hollywood's version of love, which always comes with a slogan or a phrase called, follow your heart, mm. follow your heart. Not understanding the truth that by birth, humans have a heart that is wicked and deceptive. And so when you hear the phrase, follow your heart, immediately think of follow deception, <laughs> follow the lies, right. follow the wickedness, uh, because by birth we have this heart, as it says in Jeremiah, that is wicked mm. and deceptive. And so that's a false view of love. What are some other false um, definitions or concepts of love that you can think of? Oh, well, the one that I, I probably struggled with as a young person the most is the happily ever after uh, type of love, which is, you know, um, where someone comes in, um, a, a man would come in, rescue me from whatever plight I'm going through, and then we would go off into the sunset and live happily ever after, never having any problems, never having any disagreements, but just living in the joy and the sweetness, like, like honeymooners forever right i'm sorry that's true i believed that when i was a little like eight nine ten twelve yeah that's 15 21 (laughs) it's true that's made popular by romance novels oh romance novels Um, disney movies how many lives do you think have been devastated and destroyed by romance novels oh it is it is uh, definitely a tool of the devil i think because it paints a picture of something that cannot really be um, in this life between humans. I'm not saying that people don't live happily, you know, in their lives or have happy marriages. But what I'm saying is there's no um, eternal bliss in this life. There are always going to be bumps in the road and hardships and difficulties. Yeah, the romance novels paint a picture that creates a desire and a longing for something that literally n- never can be in this life, and then, and then you have the Christian romance novels, yeah, where same all, thing, all just... they all they do is add the word God or Jesus or sure, something, and sure. and it's still the same concept, right? Basically, I mean, the idea is that you know there's always going to be enough money, and there's always going to be uh, plenty of love, and nobody's ever going to be upset, you know, when you don't do something that you should do, or you do something that you shouldn't do. And nobody's ever going to, you know, sin against you. I mean, there's just this um, ideal or, you know, fantasy type um, picture of love. Yeah, and it creates these desires within us that are wrong. 
these thoughts that someday it could be, or, you know, if I only found this person, uh, then I would be happy because I would be loved. Right. And, and love means, you know, that you always understand what I want, or you always do what I want. You always give me what I want. You know, there's just this, these wrong understandings or ideas that get into our heads when we read these types of, um, or watch these movies about, uh, fake love. Love means never having to say, I'm sorry. Right. Remember that's a famous line from a movie and it's just not true. Or the, the famous Christian one, love means living with no regrets. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I've heard that one. There was even a big Bible study put out, uh, called what marriage without regrets marriage or something like regrets, that. Yeah. And, and, and this is creating a view of love that is absolutely faults in every human being's life. There can never be a marriage without regrets. Guess why? It's because there are two sinners living in the marriage. There are two people with flesh uh, who are going to fail and stumble in many ways. And so uh, my my flesh is going to bump up against your flesh. And when it does, Woo, watch out, right? Well, it's possible. I mean, I don't want to discount the gospel and the power of it and how Christ gives us a new heart and things like that where where there can be a different experience. But from a from a purely human perspective, you know, and 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 even an unbeliever perspective where we don't have any any different motivation or any different force living in us. You're absolutely right. And I want to say too, that it's not just marriage. We're talking about friendships. We're talking about any relationship, a parent, child, um, you know, uh, just your friends in general. Um, so this, this topic of love is relevant no matter what context you're talking about, whether it's just friendships or, or marriages. Certainly there's different levels, obviously, but And as we come into this season uh, called Valentine's Day, uh, there will be many people who are hurting in their hearts because let's take a widower or a widow Mm. who always now must think of what once was. Or let's think of a single person, either through divorce or widow or widow or something like that a single one maybe maybe a person who's never been married yeah and they think oh what could be Mm -hmm. and they listen to the world's definition of love and there's a all of this is the devil holding out a carrot Mm. to somebody saying if only you had Mm -hmm. um jody why is this wrong why is this false this concept that if only I had this person, I would be happy. Right. Because um, the reality is that that longing is to be directed toward Jesus Christ. He is the one that you want. He is the one that can meet all your needs. And when you try to pin that responsibility or those hopes and dreams on an actual person who's not Jesus, (laughs) (laughs) If, um, it's it's actually very unloving and unrealistic and unkind and un-everything. It's just mean, actually, to, to try to pin all your hopes and dreams on a person, a physical person who's, who's not capable of being all that. You know what's interesting to me is that God himself lived within the Trinity 
So there was no loneliness, right? Yeah. The father had the son. The son had the father. The father had the spirit. The spirit had the son. The son had the spirit right. who had the father who had the son. There was wonderful fullness of fellowship within the Trinity. Right. And yet there's a concept that God himself said, and that is it's not good for man to be alone. Mm. And God himself planned from eternity past, before there was ever a world made, for God to get what's called another. Yes. For God himself to find himself a bride. Yes. And so he came to this world in creation for the very specific purpose now, of course, lots of other purposes, that he might reveal his glory, that his character might be made known to all the watching worlds. Yeah. But scripture, over and over, all through the Bible, shows God as one seeking a bride. Yeah. He puts it in chapter 2 of Genesis. He does. He, t he leads Adam in front of all the animals, and he has him name them. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a reason for that. He's like, okay, male elephant, female elephant. Great names. Okay, male tiger, female tiger. Oh, that's a really good name. How about those two? They're small. Let's name them male and female mouse. How about those people, male and female giraffe? That's what we'll name them, big, tall, neck. That's, wait a minute, where's my female? Where, where's my other? Right. And God says it's not good for man to be alone. And so he put Adam into a deep sleep and he opened up his side and he took a rib out and he made a woman and Adam, when he saw her, said, whoa, man. Mm -hmm. That's an oldie but a goodie. <laughs> and he saw his other. He did see his other. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, right? Yeah. And in this story, God was revealing what he himself would do. Yes that he would come in a body and that he would be the last Adam, not the second Adam, as if there would be a third or a fourth. Right. The last Adam came in a body. Yes, he did. For the purpose of finding his other. Mm -hmm. And so he was put into the deep sleep of death. Mm -hmm. And as he hung on the cross, his side was opened. Right. And out came blood and water. Yes. Blood that forgives. And water that cleanses. Yes. And for the purpose of making you and anyone who believes this message into the bride of Christ. All right. Fully forgiven, washed clean, yeah. completely radiant, without spot or blemish, and presented to God as the other. Right. And so God says it's not good for man to be alone, and God went to a cross to make sure that there would be his bride mm. fully forgiven to be received and live with him forever. Right. Jody, what is what does this say about this concept that we're talking about of love? What is this message I just described? How does it define love? How does it clarify the world's false view of love? Right. Well, First John three sixteen has been like one of my favorite verses forever and ever and ever. But um, it says, "This is how we know what love is: Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, 
And then it goes on to explain what our part is. It says, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So um, when Jesus came and sacrificed himself, he was showing us what love is. He was, this was, this is how we know. If we want to know the true definition of love, what it really is, what it really means according to God, we look to the cross of Christ, right? That's where we see love displayed. It's, it's love incarnate, love dying to save, to cleanse, to, to make righteous. That's what, what God is doing. And he, that's what the cross teaches us. And as we look to the cross, we learn how to love each other in truth, right? According to God. And if we want to love in truth and we want to love um, righteously, rightly, then we look to the cross again and again and again. And as we do, our mind is conformed to Christ, right? And we see, oh, I see love isn't, um, I'm not supposed to view love as you doing everything for me. It's me dying to serve you. That's what love is. And the beautiful part about it is that each person looks to the cross and understands, oh, my my role is to die. Well, if we're all having that mindset, right, then what are we going to be doing? We're always going to be serving each other. I'm going to serve you. You're going to serve me. I'm going to put your interest ahead of mine. Oh, you're like, oh, no, I'm going to put your interest ahead of mine. And there's this beautiful um, serving one another, this glorious experience that we all long for, right? But we can't get apart from the cross. So let's stop for a minute here and consider the need for the cross. Oh, it is because so we necessary. We don't want to bypass any need, which is simply like this. And in a marriage, this becomes very obvious and evident. We're sinners. We are sinners. Which simply means we live for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Selfish. We, we are selfish. Uh, as a sinner, our world, we want to have our world revolve around us. Absolutely. Well, when the, for instance, be like the earth revolving around Saturn. (laughs) And when that happens, it spins out of control. Right. Uh, And we live lives that are out of control. Why is there addiction, sinful bondage rather? Why is there people who demand that you love me and serve me and live for me? It's because they have a inward view. They are looking at only themselves. They are expecting th- people to live for them. Uh, I demand that you serve me. I require that you live your life for me, that you serve me no matter what has happened to you. Uh, it's a sin. And, and, and it's not just horizontally focused where uh, I'm living for me and you're living for you. It's vertically focused where we have stiff-armed God, where we have said as a human being, I reject what you say is right. Mm. I look at your requirements, your demands. I look at the law and say, no, I do not have to do that. 
you made me a man, I'm going to be a woman. You made me with long hair, I'm going to cut it short. You made me uh, to worship and serve you and look at you. No, I'm going to worship and serve me and look at me. Sin is simply the rejection of God, his standards, his requirements, his accountability. It's just turning my back on him and saying, I will not have you to rule over me. Right. I am my own God. Yes. That's I exactly what determine we're what is right and what is wrong for me. If I don't like you, I'm going to divorce you. If I want someone different, well, I'm allowed based upon my own happiness to go find someone else. After all, every human being is created with an inalienable right to pursue happiness. <laughs> and this is such a this is a recipe for disaster. It is. Because we're not conforming to God. We're demanding that he conform to us. Right. And so I lie and I cheat and I steal and I do everything I can for my own happiness. Mm -hmm. And it simply means that in the end, I will be absolutely miserable. It's true. And, you know, the whole the whole time we think we're pursuing our own happiness when, in fact, we're we're just, you know, headed to, for destruction. Um, you know, the wages of sin is death. Right. So uh, what we're saying is God is wrong. God didn't know what he was doing. God didn't give me the right spouse. God didn't give me the right body. God didn't give me the right uh, circumstances. He didn't give me the right job. You, you name it, you fill in the blank, whatever, um, it is that you are angry about, whatever it is that you don't like in your circumstances and that you are seeking another source of satisfaction, right? So it could be drugs. I don't want to, I don't like my life, so I want to escape it. I'm going to drink too much. I'm going to use drugs in excess. I'm going to um, use food to comfort myself, and I'm going to do it as much as I need to because God was wrong. God and, was wrong. He's wronged me in some way. Yeah, and this is how the devil enslaves right? us. It's, it's very, very subtle, though. A lot of times you don't even know you're thinking this way. That's right. Yeah. Um, pornography, for example, says, uh, I would be happy if I had that body to to be with. I would be happy if... And so millions of people are ensnared uh, simply by the devil. And it is the devil because Colossians 3, 5 talks about there's a demon behind every idol. Right. And pornography sets up these imaginations, these thoughts in our hearts that makes us discontent with whatever I have. I can't be happy with you because I just saw that. And that is perfect. That's absolutely beautiful and astonishing. And so I begin to foster a heart of discontent, which can turn into bitterness that I don't have what I just saw. Mm -hmm. And this is all of Satan. It right? is. It's how he leads captives to gratify the lusts of their flesh, which then leads to sinful bondage and slavery. It's just a, a vicious cycle. We have talked for just a few minutes here about the need for the cross of Christ. In other words, Jesus looked down on an earth that was captive to Satan, in bondage to their flesh, 
following Satan wherever he led them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. We were talking about this the other day on our walk that we were taking. Satan can turn the heart of people who follow him whichever direction he wants. Mm. He can say, oh, look at these, for example, um, bottles of wine. Mm -hmm. And they are sparkling. The wine is sparkling in the cup. And the person now becomes idolatrous about that particular kind of wine. Mm -hmm. Well, you can apply that to every area, wherever Satan wants to turn your heart, right? This is the kind of porn I like. Mm. whatever that kind is and there are so many different kinds but satan has so many different options and they're all the same Mm -hmm. oh i was born this way right for as long as i can remember jody i've had thoughts of this particular kind of woman or kind of thing i wanted Mm -hmm. for as long as i can remember right Why? Because I'm born into Satan's kingdom Mm -hmm. and he can turn my heart whichever way he wants. And so Jesus came into this world of people whose hearts were following after Satan in one way or another. And he came to take all that on himself. Right. To take our sin, our sinful bondage, our imaginations, all of our thoughts, all of the times we said, no, God, you're wrong. I'll do it my way. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And we laud those people who sing about, I did it my way. And and what what do we, Jesus came to take all that on himself. He did. And God, the father put all the sin of the world and dumped it right on his son. And Jesus hung as sin. Mm-hmm. He became sin. Think about not my sin would have sunk him into the deepest hell. My own sin, your sin, the world's sin, all of the world's sin hung on him. He became a rotting corpse of sin right. on the cross for you right. and for me. Mm-hmm. What does that do when you consider the need? for the cross. Right. Right. It is amazing to think that Jesus became sin, so grotesque, so just deformed, right, that he wasn't even recognizable as a human. Also that, to display love for us. And and so many people look to the cross and they do not see love. They see an offense. They see, ugh, gross. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to look at that. I don't want to go there. Why are you making me, why are you recommending this? Why are you talking about this? Why can't we just talk about, you know, how God makes us new and, and how we have heaven for us. And let's talk about the good stuff, you know, the cross. Yeah. Okay. It had to happen, but I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. Well, the problem with that is, is that God says, that's how we know what love is. We have to look to the cross. We have to go there. We have to look every day. Remember, Jesus said, remember my death. And why? Why? Because that's what speaks to you of the love and the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy and the compassion and the kindness and the salvation that you really need, that you really want. Not what the world says. Not what your flesh says, but what God says is true. 
Yeah, that's a good point. And really what has to happen is for us to look at the cross, we begin to be, be filled up with the love of God. Romans 5, 5 says that the Holy Spirit pours the love of God into us. doesn't drip it. Or sprinkle. Or sprinkle. He yes. pours it pours into it. us. I love that. And, he, and he's, the concept there is of a cup that he's taking the wine of the Holy Spirit mm. and pouring it until it overflows. So yes. he's filling us with love. Now, Jody, as a man filled with the love of God and as a woman filled with the love of God, what is it when our two cups clash together, we end up with? We end up with love flowing between us. Yes. Forgiveness flowing between us. Yes. Grace, overlooking of offenses yes. flowing between us. It's not that we don't ever have offenses. It's not that we don't ever sin, which is what the world portrays right. as yeah. happily ever after. No, what you need to show is two people who sin right. ongoingly and who ongoingly forgive. Right. And so that your famous statement is really true. Marriage is made up of two really good forgivers. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it the verse that uh, talks about forgive is Ephesians, right? Forgive whatever grievances, or is that Colossians 3? Forgive whatever grievances you have against each know. other. <laughs> the Bible <laughs> says how, how somewhere dare you put it me says. On the spot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll pull a I'll pull a Peter somewhere it says. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So um, we are to bear with and forgive whatever grievances we have against each other. the The assumption is that there are grievances, all right. And so, um, and the instruction is to forgive them, to overlook them, to to uh, bear with each other, right? And um, and that's so important in all relationships. We it's so easy for us when we see, when someone sins against us for us to feel high and mighty, you know, for us to look down on them as if we'd never sinned, as if we had never done anything wrong, as if we had always treated them perfectly. But the offense makes us it puffs us up and it makes us feel like we're the righteous one in the moment, right? Well, the reality is we're just, we're just two sinners, right? That it doesn't matter if it's your child or your friend or your, your spouse, you're two sinners. You equally need forgiveness from Christ. You equally um, need grace and mercy. And you're not um, a less of a sinner, right? You needed forgiveness, and out of the abundance of forgiveness that you have received, you can extend that forgiveness. So here we're learning that love is multifaceted. It's not just hearts and candies and flowers, right? Love encompasses so much more, right? But the one thing it always, according to God, the one thing love always includes is dying. And that is not, not just, it's just usually not the romantic icon, you know, that you think of. Mostly we think of, you know, red hearts and, you know, sweet things, right? But the reality is the cross is the icon of love. 
The cross is the icon of love. It is. That's beautiful. For the believer. And, yeah. and, you know, even the world knows this. And so they make movies called Superman, who at age 33, his father sends him to this earth and he ends up dying to rescue the world. Right. Right. The world can't help themselves. They continue to make movies right. about people who love so much that they give their life for the one they love. Yes. Well, let's not uh, let's not break that from its foundation. <laughs> Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will never perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Right. And so this is the, the place where love started, mm. was at the gospel. And so there are people who, as they're coming up on, uh, on Valentine's Day, have wrong concepts of love. They right. think that a human being will be the solution, will be their savior in essence. Oh, yes. But you, I, I'm here to say, can actually find the love you're looking for. Yes. You can find it. You can come to the cross and see God pouring out his wrath on his one son so that he might pour out his love on all his other sons and daughters. Yes. And as you see that, the Holy Spirit will begin to pour the love of God into your heart, into your very inmost being. Yes. And as that happens, Jody, you found what you're looking for. Now, a human can supplement, can add to, can... Uh, be augment. Mm -hmm. augment can augment the love that we experience at the cross but if you haven't experienced that love at the cross you're going to be an anchor for somebody in a relationship right there you're going to have two anchors that are sinking in self 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 right in the sea of ocean of self mm -hmm. and and so what happens at the cross that anchor that chain is cut the anchor sinks to the bottom. Your sin sinks to the bottom. Mm, never to be seen again. Never to be seen again. You're forgiven. Yes. And now you're able to love freely. Mm -hmm. uh, so as you think about somebody right now, and let's bring this to a close, who is looking for the Hollywood version of love, Jody, what do they need? They need to look to the cross. They need to come and see... Jesus lifted up for them, dying for them. See his wounds that plead for them. See his heart pierced for them. See that water and that blood flowing out to cleanse and to save and to sanctify them, to transform them from a person who is self-centered and full of self and living in sin to a person who has been loved deeply and now is able to love somebody else. Right now, I have received all the love from Jesus that can overflow now. Now I can love you in truth. Now I can die to myself and live in love with you. Now I can die to myself and serve other people without thinking, well, now what are they going to do for me? You know, there's no more tit for tat when you love according to the cross. Now it's just, I have been loved and out of the abundance, I love you. There's no more 
um, uh, you, whatever you do for me, you know, I'll, I'll love you after you love me the way I need it. Right. I'll do for you after you do for me. It's we're liberated from all of that. When we look to the cross and we receive salvation and we receive the love of Jesus and we receive the sanctifying power of Christ's death and resurrection into our hearts and lives and we put faith in Jesus Christ, that love transforms us and it transforms our experience of life. And yeah. what it means to love. This this transforming is is illustrated. You know, when Adam saw his wife, he was amazed at she at her beauty. Not so when Jesus received his wife. Oh. He found us in the muck and the mire, and he raised us up out of it. He, did. he found us naked, and he unclothed himself to clothe us. Yes. He found us impoverished. And so he became poor for our sakes that we might be made rich in grace and love and truth. He found us dying in sin. So he died covered in our sin that we might be raised to new life and to live forever with him. He, he found a different bride, didn't he? He did and made us pure and spotless and blameless. Yeah, free Come from on. all yes. accusation. Thank you, Jesus. Let's bring this to a close. We'll continue this next week. Jody, okay. thank you so much for being with me on talking about the subject of love. Mm, thank you, Jesus. This has been a podcast of Setting Captives Free. For more information or to enroll in free interactive courses on finding freedom, please go to settingcaptivesfree.com. Tune in next time for more truth that sets captives free.